Welcome to Smashing Through Walls with Carla McGee. Whether you are just pulling up a seat to the table, breaking a glass ceiling, or smashing through walls, grab your favorite mug and join us on the first and third Friday at 11 o'clock for candid conversations with industry experts and decision makers as we navigate and explore all the things related to real estate and community. Hi, welcome to Smashing Through Walls with Carla McGee, where we don't just want to break the ceiling, we want to smash the walls. Today, I'm super excited to have Ken Starks in the office with me. Ken is a mortgage broker, lender. How would you? Uh, I am currently functioning as a mortgage broker. Okay. Yes. And that means you get to do all the things, right? We're not just like <laughs> limited to, you know, our residential like home sales, right? Which is why you're why you're on here because we get to talk about all the things. Commercial, yeah. And yeah. We help a lot of entrepreneurs have for 20 years in um, cool. all 50 states currently. Um, commercial, residential, vanilla loans, chocolate loans, and of course, Rainbow <laughs> and Rocky Road. <laughs> All the Neapolitanness <laughs> yeah. of of lending, I like right. it. Right, right. Yeah. So then let's talk. Let's just jump right into it. Yeah. So, like, what's the difference? So, if you are an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. what are like? If I'm an entrepreneur, I think, man, I got no money. I got nothing going on. I've got a business plan and like a dream. What would my next steps be in something like that? I like to think of it as a waterfall. Okay. So you make plenty of money. In reality, and on your tax returns, we're going to use your tax returns. You make plenty of money in reality, but not on your tax returns. We might use your bank statements. We might use a profit and loss or a 1099, uh, something like that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make money in reality, but have (laughs) a lot of money, uh, uh, it's called a no ratio option where you're not demonstrating income. So it's not stated income of days of your, right. but it's, it's a limited, limited documentation. We document assets and not so much income. Okay. So there's kind of a waterfall, full documentation, tax returns, less documentation, bank statements, or zero income documentation. And you better have some money. You better have some cash sitting in the bank. Correct. Do you or have friend, to explain where the cash came from? Or like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if I, I please don't, don't steal it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, do we need to talk about the barrel at the bottom of uh, what is that, Lake Mead? Or like... <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, are we in Jersey? <laughs> but we are pretty close to Vegas. So. That's true. Yes. No. Please don't. Yeah. Please, please don't, don't do that. Please don't. So pretend. Uh, let's pretend that that is the case. How long should it sit in your account before those questions arise? <laughs> Fair question. If we are anytime large. You know, after the meltdown and all the regulations that have changed over the Mm -hmm. years, if you are evidently funding terrorism currently in our current state, marijuana, right? You can't, that's not a, that's very, that's a niche, right? Yeah. So if there's large deposits on within the past 60 days, uh, that will come up where that money, where that paper trail come from. If we are doing bank statements as documentation, that's going to be 12 months Mm -hmm. of bank statements. So large deposits will get you know, inspected. So Within that 12 month time Correct. frame. Or 24, but yeah, right. generally. So 20. it's interesting you bring up marijuana mm-hmm. because we just had Dimitri Downing on last segment. But he's a marijuana entrepreneur. He, well, he's like basically wrote the legislation for Prop 207 mm-hmm. and is the founder of MITA, Marijuana Industry Trade Association. And so very, mm-hmm. very involved in, you know, that process. And mm-hmm. we talked about the commercial real estate involved with marijuana as a business Mm -hmm. and that we called it the marijuana tax, right? 
because it's like you yeah. can make a lot of money if you have a lot of money. Right. But you there's no financing. There's no. And I was telling them the story of a triple net building mm -hmm. that I found for an investor I had. But when we called the lender, the lender was like, yeah, that's a no go. Hard no. Hard no. Yeah. I'm seeing actually marijuana entrepreneurs go out of Phoenix Metro. Really? To I, I recently talked to a guy who had bought a building in Superior. Yeah. No, not Superior. Miami. Okay. Like even more deserted. Mm -hmm. Miami, right? Mm -hmm. uh, very large, old commercial building. Been cheap. deserted for a year. It's very cheap. Yep. And so he got his license out there. And so I think they were going to they were going to grow there, but they were going to process and retail and and ship, I think. Okay. So, but it was, you know, a 300000 building, $300,000 building that was, right. you know, ginormous. But isn't the way that the lottery was pulled or whatever it is, the licenses work, they have to be in that county, right? Or in that, in that bubble, something like that? I'm not like really a specialist there. I yeah. think that's right. I think it is too. Part of me wants to own one because those guys are printing money. Right. Um, but I don't smoke it. So, you know. But, well, the, yeah. Dimitri Downing said he didn't smoke it either, but he mm -hmm. wrote the legislation for it and created the whole association because he believes in freedom of choice, right? That, I get that. So that's interesting because we, well, so the lotteries all got pulled, the licenses got pulled, mm -hmm. and they're limited. That's it. That's all we get in Arizona. So there, I think they said there was 138 of them, right? which means there's only going to be 138 marijuana-related businesses in the state of Arizona. So, I feel like there's 138 in Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm not sure where like the transfer of medical to recreational Growing, went. Right? Selling, yeah, all the different stuff. Sure. Yeah, I mean we we as a brokerage handle mm. some of that, but we have people that are smarter than me that are taking care of that, or more stone than you. Well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm kidding. So, <laughs> so I mean that. So that's really interesting, right? Yeah. And another thing I recently learned that is a really boring fact, but fascinating to people like us, mm -hmm. is uh, limited use, drive-throughs, stuff like that. I had a contract. Like specialty use properties. Yeah. Very difficult finance. Yeah. yeah. Laundromats. Exactly. Like, right? That's so interesting because in my brain, as long as like the cash flow works out and the numbers all work out, it's financeable. But we got told we had a Jiffy Lube under contract mm -hmm. for about two and a half million and the cap rate. It was about 5.5, mm -hmm. super steady, you know, tenant, right? It's flipping Jiffy Lube. There's like 20 years left on the lease. Like it's it's beautiful. It's like I got a bow on it. And I learned from the lender who, because he was trying to get financing on it, mm -hmm. he was like, no, it takes 50% down because of the limited use. Basically, if, if this tenant defaults and we have to go find a new tenant, then that is a, a slower boat than, say, an office building. Think of it this way. Like, in, in an office building, you can plug in a CPA firm. You can plug, I mean, you can plug in myriad businesses. Right. But, you know, we, there's not going to be a flower shop that's going to go build themselves in a gas station. I mean, they could do well. Oh, I've seen it done, actually. <laughs> Truth be told. Right. But yeah. It's it, right. because it says super niche specialty building. Like, it, that. Real, what you're really, so you've touched on, because there's four C's to any, there's, I, I like to think of a mortgage as a stool. Okay. With four legs, okay. the four C's of a mortgage, cash, collateral, character, and credit, right? All right. So now you're talking, we first started out talking about cash, right? Right. Where is your money and how can I document it? Right. How are you going to pay for this? Right. And how much do you have down payment, right? And how does your income work? But then collateral is the next one, right? Yeah. Because you've got funky collateral. Like I have a client that uh, came to me to finance and they have existing Board and care facilities, single okay. family residence, 10 bed, right? Oh, right, right, right. right. They have like, two existing mm -hmm. and they came to me wanting to acquire another one. 
Well, that doesn't work for Fannie Mae Long. No. Because A, it's a business, mm-hmm. and B, it's it's special use, right? It's special right. running, special licensing. And unfortunately, they chose to go down the road with a different mortgage individual, mm-hmm. but they've already had the door shut, right? But it's specialized collateral. Right. And unless you're going to be sneaky and do something, you know, hope that the lender closes their eyes or misses something, right? you know, you're going to get stuck. Well, then you're messing with people's livelihood, right? Their license and things like that. So explain, elaborate on the other two Cs. So you just cash. Credit. Correct, and, right. and character. So character is really reflective of people's credit, right? Okay. Because, you know, in today's, uh, mortgage underwriting, mm-hmm. right? It's very cut and dry. Right. It's not, sub- it's very not subjective. Right. Right. Very rarely is the underwriter saying, hmm, Carla. Mm, <laughs> She's right? a nice gal. Right. Oh, she. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so character is really reflective on credit, mm-hmm. right? Do you, what does your credit history look like? Um, public records, payment history, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In some commercial financing, uh, 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 SBA specifically, if you've had certain types of legal infractions, those are problematic. Mm-hmm. I had that somebody, sounds fun. Mm, <laughs> I had somebody who had domestic abuse issues. Oh. Mm, so that doesn't work. Right. With, well, and let's pause that. Let's tell the audience what SBA financing is. Small business administration. So just so in general, in the mortgage business, whether it's residential or commercial, there are government-backed. FHA, VA, USDA on the residential side. Mm-hmm. SBA is kind of that same equivalent on the commercial side. And then there's conventional, which can be public or private. Mm-hmm. So like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, conventional, right? And, and Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Fannie Mae does conventional commercial as mm-hmm. well, but conventional residential. And then there's private, conventional, non-prime, not non-QM, we call it today, mm-hmm. uh, prime jumbo, anything that's private and not going to any government-related institution. So that's kind of the two differentiators, all government-backed or part public-private partnership. Right. So I think when I always think of conventional, I think of traditional. That's what the word comes to mind. It's, it's the loan everybody thinks of. It's, but technically know. a non-QM, a bank statement loan is technically conventional. It's just conventional private. Got it. Yeah. What does QM mean? Qualified mortgage. Oh, okay. So after the meltdown, right? So I love how you call it the meltdown, by the way. And oh, was it? We called it. The, remember the implodometer? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you were in. The, were you in the business back then? <laughs> no, I don't oh, yeah. There was that. a mortgage company implodometer, <laughs> and like, funny. oh, you know, first Franklin, right? <laughs> they died today. That was my company. It was a great company. So <laughs> I know, right? But oh. when the meltdown happened, things that were legal to do right? back then, yeah were perceived, well, they, I mean, they were. Yeah. Like, the, the, it, you and I could sell the same individual, and uh, and it would always be something like this. Uh, uh, a white guy and a black guy, 640 credit score, and we priced those loans differently. That's so crazy. Or we documented those loans differently. That wasn't that long ago. No. No. And so I've never felt good about, like, there were individuals back then that would gouge somebody who wasn't as financially sophisticated or savvy. I never felt good about that. Right. Right. That just wasn't the way I wanted to conduct my business. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do a great deal for you and have you tell all your friends. Right. So my phone just rings. It has for 20 years. Right. Right. Imagine that. But it it's used... not your sparkling personality. It's well, the it's actual business skill. <laughs> it's that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They say I have a face for radio. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> well, why do you think I have a podcast? <laughs> So anyway, so back to business. Yes, my bad. It used to be that 
certain things were acceptable, but they put borrowers in negative positions. Okay. For instance, interest only. Oh, yeah. Right? Negative amortization, where mm-hmm. you're paying less than a full payment, prepayment penalties, um, you know, all these things that are now no longer legal. Mm-hmm. So, and then through the revision that started after the meltdown called Dodd-Frank okay. has come something called a qualified mortgage. Back in the day, you as the borrower could sue me as the lender and say, yeah, you just gave me all this money, but you took advantage of me. A qualified mortgage presents a barrier to you suing the lender Hmm. and therefore sets certain standards by which it's acceptable to say, "Mm, sorry, borrower, you knew what you're getting into. You got a qualified mortgage, right? So it's a legal definition. Non-QM is today's subprime. Got it. Right? So yes, you could still assert, but there's still boundaries within a non-QM as well. Right. Right. So any negative features like interest only, uh, all that kind of stuff. So is that where the more like private lending comes in? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think private lending is commonly referred to out in the open market as like hard money and things like that. Okay. So that's a very broad term. Right. Right. So mortgages, uh, most mortgages get bundled together and sold into a securitization or a bond structure. Right. And so there are private securitizations, right? And then there are public securitizations. So Fannie, Freddie, Jenny, right? FHA is Ginny Mae. Uh, Fannie, Freddie, Jenny do government-related securitizations, but non-QM loans do private securitizations, right? So private also means, hey, I'm going to call Uncle Bob and Uncle Bob's going to give me a first trustee. That's true. Right? I've I've had to make referrals to people like that in certain times, right? Where for whatever reason, there's something that comes up. Hey, I've got a private lender who's literally making his own decision and, you know, sending you a half million dollars. Right. Uncle Bob sounds like a sugar daddy. Just saying. I don't have one of those. <laughs> Never have. <laughs> me either. Yeah, right? Right. right. <laughs> Which is Where's why my trust fund? It's because I have a face for radio. <laughs> So going back to like SBA loans, like let's talk about what those are because they're, I feel like they're popular, maybe not common, but popular Mm -hmm. in the business world for commercial lending because you have to occupy the property, run your business there. What kind of qualifications or what kind of standards are in those loans? Yeah, the reason, so generally speaking, SBA is more costly than doing a conventional loan. Interesting but it has a way more flexible underwriting process, mm-hmm. right? So you can, you know, do little down to, to up to 10%, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's helpful. If you're a startup, they can do projection-based. Like, mm-hmm. in other words, if your resume is strong and you're, you're a great real estate agent and now you're going to go start your own real estate brokerage and you've had a history and blah, 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 mm-hmm. right? So you can do a projection-based uh, acquisition of a building. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we don't have three years of history. Right. Um, but we're really good and we've got so-and-so's resume and we've capitalized and all that kind of stuff. So you can do something like that for a startup. Um, so that's a flexibility. Oh, you had a bankruptcy? Okay. SBA is more lenient on that. Hmm. Different types of credit scenarios, income scenarios, way more flexibility, but has to be owner-occupied. Mm-hmm. Right. And by owner-occupied, that means 51% of the structure has to be owner-occupied. So you can still have a tenant, right, that offsets part of your rent, right? Um, And that's, you know, the reason people do it, or one of the reasons that people use SBA. A more conservative, like a conventional loan is going to require, generally speaking, 
um, three years of file tax returns for your business, right. personal tax returns, get personal guarantees on anybody who's a partner of if, uh, generally 20% if my memory serves me well. Um, and then there is, you know, conventional, but out of that box. Right. Right. So like for the triple net property that you're talking about, that would typically not have a personal guarantee. Mm -hmm. And while it's special use, you've got a credit tenant in a Jiffy Loop franchise, mm -hmm. right? Somebody that's a very established name, that kind of thing. Because the Jiffy Loop itself is a saleable asset. Right. Right. The building mm -hmm. and then the franchise that operates in the building mm -hmm. are saleable assets. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of some of the differences of why people choose a conventional commercial loan versus an SBA commercial loan. Right. Generally speaking, it's flexibility on down payment, credit events, things like that. That's interesting because I have mm -hmm. a property for sale in Phoenix, right, in the Paradise Valley submarket. Mm -hmm. And it was the it was a physician that was in there. He's moved out of state. And so we've left part of the building empty and not leased it out so that somebody can qualify for that 51% like you're talking about mm -hmm. and have a turnkey uh, medical practice, right? Mm -hmm. All the exam rooms are already built out. There's a physical therapy office already built out. Mm -hmm. um, and to qualify for that 51%, there is a, a storage suite yeah. Right, that he occupies and well, but yeah, well I mean, right, but it's his records mm -hmm. and all, all stuff. kinds of stuff, sure. right? You Supplies. know, uh, old exam tables, things like that. So, but the rest of the property, the other forty nine percent, is occupied by a tenant, a variety of tenants. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, I well, and that's a common thing for you know, <clears throat> physicians, dentists. You know, they generally make great money, but they also buy themselves high responsibility jobs. Right. So oftentimes the way those types of entrepreneurs will grow their wealth is by then acquiring the building, right? The mm -hmm. other the other things that come along with it. Right. That support the business, grow their wealth, offset their cash flow by having tenants in that 49%, right? So the strategy piece. Right. So they're diversified mm -hmm. in the not only the business portfolio, but the financial portfolio put, as well. You know, uh, antennas on their rooftops and mm -hmm. maybe they're right, vending machines or whatever they all are. I don't remember where I heard this, actually. There was somewhere where the SBA loans, and I can't remember if it was for physicians specifically mm -hmm. or if it was just for anybody, but if you added solar to the building that there was some kind of financial benefit to, to the loan, but not if the solar was already existing. And I wish I remember now what that was called. No? Super niche Like, yeah. I know, I, you know that, that comes to mind more residentially. Yeah. Because people always want to finance their solar in their loan, in their right. mortgage. It's difficult to do unless yeah. your builder on a new home is adding solar. Yeah. I don't know that specific niche. I don't either. And I'm trying to remember because he paid for the solar, this particular position mm -hmm. that I have the property listed for. Yeah. And he, it's paid for solar. It's a great building. It's owned, not leased. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and it's everywhere. It's all over the top of the building, all over the parking structure. It's, well, and, you know, tax credits, obviously. You well, know, right. Doctors making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year needs to offset. Right. Yeah. Uh, Especially because he was, you know, a surgeon too. And he moved to Hawaii, which are, you know, terrible problems. All your female have. listeners are going to ask if he's single or not. <laughs> All the female listeners, he is not single. <laughs> like, wait a second. Let's okay. clarify that question. He's happily married with two kids living in Hawaii as a surgeon. Yeah. But his his oh, life is not right. His life is not frustrating, hmm. and I'm you know happily selling his almost five million dollar property. Sure, right in in the PB. Paradise Valley submarket. Yeah, right. So, what other interesting trends are you seeing in commercial financing? Like, what what are tell the listeners what like a 
common interest rate is now. Interest rates are a huge topic right well, now, Well, they've right? been going all over the place. Right. You know, in a rising interest rate market, arms become more attractive. Obviously, you know, uh, <clears throat> it's not uncommon for commercial to have, uh, you know, to be on the balance sheet of a bank. That does happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, like, local lenders are sometimes a good go-to. Mm. They will almost always have adjustable rates, right? You're going to find your fixed rates that are some sort of Fannie Mae or right SBA product. You know, and rates are creeping up just like they are on residential. So right. they're getting in the fours and fives. And if they're special use or they're unique scenarios, you can see I'm refinancing a 7% interest rate right now. <sighs> you know, somebody that had, somebody is a great business owner. Right. But they just um, had to kind had, of take what they could get. Well, they had a bankruptcy. Yeah. Within a seven year period. Right. And so they had to take an adjustable. And when it's an adjustable, it's going to be the full margin. Mm-hmm. That's where the lender really makes their money is in the margin. Right. Yeah. So we're getting out of a seven into a high four. Yeah. On a, on a, uh, 25M. So an ARM loan for... Adjustable rate. Right. Mortgage. For those that aren't... Arms that, and farms. <laughs> that don't know what they are. Yeah. They are a mortgage that have scheduled increases <clears throat> in the interest rate, correct? And then therefore in payment. Correct. So an adjustable rate has an amount of time that the interest rate is set. Mm-hmm. The interest rate is set based on a particular index, mm-hmm. a prime, LIBOR, cozy coffee. There's a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Plus a margin. And that margin is the profit that the lender makes for taking the risk of lending you the money. Right. And then that, you know, three, five, seven year, 10 year fixed rate period after which it can go up by a a specified amount in a specified time. Sometimes it's six months. More often it's usually one year or five years on a commercial. Well, and then like, and let's be clear for those that are listening that maybe don't understand how this works, right? The lender is not you. You are a broker, meaning you are putting a lender and a client together in a happy union and and providing them documentation. Matchmaker, matchmaker, (laughs) make me a match. Just like we are real estate brokers, mm-hmm. we don't hold the real estate. We are, you Correct. know, marketing for our clients mm-hmm. or helping them acquire, right? Yep. So I think sometimes when we say talk to the lender, it's like kind of a generic term. And that I could mean you or I could mean... So let me specify. Right. The difference between a mortgage broker mm-hmm. and a mortgage banker, mm-hmm. right? A banker. The banker is the lender. They're lending, quote unquote, their own money, mm-hmm. right? Their own money can be from their balance sheet of their bank. Mm-hmm. More common is where a loan is funded and then immediately sold to an investor, right? But it's funded in the name of the lender. So the mortgage bankers or lenders lend, quote unquote, their own money. A mortgage broker lends somebody else's money. Right. Like I said, the, the matchmaker, right? Yep. The happy the happy middleman. Yep. So in the crash meltdown era, mm-hmm. yeah. We had an arm loan on our residential property. And you were probably very glad. Right. Because rates went down, 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 down. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. But that is also why we had to short sell our property because then when our arm came due, due. right? Did our, you have an interest only? I think so. Yeah. So yeah. interest only is like... Crazy 2011. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An interest only, like, hey, you only have to pay this much mm-hmm. for the next 10 years. But wacko, you know, you get hit with a baseball bat come right. year, you know, month, 10 year, one month. Right. Right. Because now you're suddenly amortizing over 20 years mm-hmm. and your payment goes from here to here. Right. Hence, this is no longer possible. Right. And so. Well, I'm just, I won't say it's impossible, but it's no, it's it's not possible in a traditional qualified mortgage World. Right. And what happened back then mm-hmm. during the meltdown yep. was that's fine. We'll just refinance it. 
well, you have no value left in your house. It's underwater 100,000. We're not going to refinance that. So when we start talking about arms in today's current climate, I always start getting a little cautious and a little nervous about, you know, that kind of speculation that everything will at least stay steady enough to, you know, to carry an interest only or an arm Mm -hmm. so that that doesn't happen to anybody else. Can that happen still? Like say you say you bought today and then you have no value, right? And you have an arm that balloons and you want to refinance it, but like well, we've got a different set of circumstances. Right. Right. So we had very easy money. Super easy. With no skin in the game. Right. True. I don't care what kind of loan you're getting. No loan is easy today. <laughs> well, if you've I mean, bought a house in the last couple of years, you know that. That's work. I mean, I, I back then I closed literally my record is closing a loan in four hours. That's Dumb. Crazy. That's uh, insane. I agree. Right. But fell apart with somebody else. We played cleanup with an appraisal and blah, blah, blah. Right? Wow. So, you know, no loan is easy today. Right. You're going to have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, unless you're in residential, you know, maybe you're doing something, you know, like a down payment assistance or something like that. Right. So, A, B, housing. I mean, and you're talking housing, right? We right. To yeah. housing. Um, <clears throat> you know, we had a glut of supply and lack of demand. Mm-hmm. So the exact opposite of what we have now mm-hmm. in 2022, we've got no supply and crazy demand. Right. Right. And we've got all these folks that are moving, you know, to our state, especially here. 250 a day. Isn't that crazy? That's to just come to and little even, old Phoenix. I know. And I live in Gilbert, you know, and I look around like, okay, where'd my little old town go? Oh. And I didn't even grow up here. Right. I grew up in Orange County. <laughs> Yeah. So, so you're one of the Californians that came over. I Californiaed your Arizona. <laughs> I don't, I know you and I'm pretty sure that you did not California or Arizona. I think True. just your birthplace is all you can claim on that. <laughs> and my 714 number. Oh, you still have that. Yeah, I, I still do. have my Seattle number. Years. So I get it. Yeah. Um, but, but what I was going to say was, so we've got the exact opposite. We've got no inventory. Mm-hmm. So yes, rates are rising and rates are rising intentionally because, you know, we've had yeah. this run up in market. I mean, granted, you can't have fiscal policy that prints trillions of dollars and not expect those dollars to be worth less. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the thinking was there, but whatever, here we are. Right. And so, but we've had this crazy run up because of COVID, right, of prices going up. 30 offers and 100 grand like over. Like literally exponentially. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have clients in Orange County that are offering $300,000 over list price and losing Oh yeah, to somebody else with cash. Well, last year when, uh, when I was helping out a couple of residential clients, I mean, we were, I call it bidding because yeah. that's literally what it is at this point. But So that's why increased rates is actually good. Yeah. It had to slow down. It had to slow down. And if I'm, if I'm a seller mm-hmm. and there's nothing to buy... Right. So what we're seeing rising inventory rates. Yeah, that's good. It is good. And just to like so that nobody panics by rising. I think when I checked yesterday, it was like seventy two hundred, which is not it's barely listings on the MLS and it should be like twenty thousand. So like before anybody writes into the show, like slow down. Yeah. like (laughs) We're still like we still have a healthy seller's market. Very. And honestly, if you listen to Cromford. Thank you. The Cromford Report, who is a very hyper-local, analytic, real estate platform. We've only had one not seller's market in the last 20 years. And, you know, right, it was the meltdown. And it was like a blip. It was a minute. 
And what the way she explains it is really interesting because she's like, what people actually want is a balanced market, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks they want a buyer's market, but they don't. Because what happens is if you move into your house today and it's worth less tomorrow, that's not good. Nobody wants that. that Yeah, we have, haven't we? Mm -hmm. And so what we really want is a balanced market. Like I can put my house on the market and maybe go contingent on another offer on a house that I've seen a few times and like actually got to go inside before I purchased it. Didn't have to offer blind. Right? You know, like that's what a balanced market looks like. Like I have a choice between this house or that house. Do I want the three-car garage or the two-car garage? It's not like yeah. Take what you can get, right folks. Now. Everybody out for themselves. Well, and so, you know, because Arizona is affected by California, right. I listen to and read a lot of different info, right? Yeah. And so, for instance, in Orange County, Orange Southern California is booming, right? Still. People moving out of LA, out of San Francisco to go to Orange and San Diego. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, an individual that uh, I, I we, we have many mutual friends in common. I don't actually know him, but he's in the top, I believe, 10 agents in the entire country. Okay. So if you want to buy an oceanfront, you know, 10, 20, $30 million property, Tim Smith in Newport is your guy. Okay. He's one of the few. Yeah. And for every one that he lists, he's got at least two buyers at that price point. Is, that's nuts. Well, that's because- a lot of money. Well, international folks want <laughs> to park their money too. somewhere. Right. California Beach Real Estate- well, and yeah, who, if I have to park my money somewhere, you know, my millions that I'm like trying to figure <laughs> out where I should put, obviously I'm going to put it on the beach with beautiful views, right? Right. Yeah. So that means that the average individual, you know, the average wage earner, right? Right. In Orange County's way getting priced out. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's a whole political conversation. Maybe they want to leave anyway. Right. If you're, you know, so that the number one place that people are coming to Arizona from is Southern California. Specifically, like out of all the California, specifically Southern California. Correct. I also joke being from Seattle and first moving here in 1996 Mm -hmm. that not to date myself too much. I was was like five. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh, I'm a millennial. (laughs) That I swear there is a tunnel from the Pacific Northwest to Arizona and people just like quietly go back and forth because they're like so far off the radar. Everybody's so mad at California and blaming California. You've been Californiaing my Arizona. <laughs> that they like are like, wait, Washington's moving here too? Right. Oh yeah, by the drones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like secretly. They're like hiding behind the Californians as they march. Well, I mean, Seattle's even worse than Orange County. I've heard tour stories of $600,000. Oh, I have. I still have friends that I went to college with up yeah. there that are in real estate that uh, like the things, like for example, mm-hmm. The house my husband and I first bought, our very, very first house was in 2005. Mm-hmm. It was a 1,000 square foot, two bedroom, one bath house that had never been updated. And we paid at the time like 200000 for it. Six, seven. It just sold, like, then we flipped it for like 300 and then Eight. And then it like bottomed out. Yeah. And now it's, yeah, like 600000 mm-hmm. for this. And it's not even in Seattle. It's in Marysville, Washington. So Shout out to Marysville. This is why... Higher interest rates are actually good right. Thing. We need to slow that down. Right, we need to slow that down. We need we need calm to come in the, to, into the market. Right. right, in I mean, obviously inflation with other stuff as well. Right, yeah, fuel prices and natural gas and all the other stuff. But so higher interest rates is actually going to give sellers an opportunity to breathe buyers an opportunity to choose and the market to come back into right. a little bit of normal. And this is not unique to no. residential real estate no. in the commercial realm, we are also struggling with finding 
um, properties for our tenants to go into mm-hmm. that have great business plans or have current businesses, franchises, things like that. We cannot find them property. And every day I, you know, what do you do? Oh, I sell commercial real estate. They're like, oh, sad about those office buildings. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't know what news platform is reporting that, but it's not what's accurately going on here. I think it's an assumption because people got sent home during COVID. But I think what we're finding out too is A, there's a lease on that that they're still paying for. Oh, I mean, Class A office space in Gilbert with, you know, Deloitte printed on it. Uh, I don't think they're defaulting on that lease. Yeah, they're not going to default on that. parking lots are empty. Right. So guess what? Now you're going to start coming back in the office because we're not paying tens of thousands of dollars per month for productivity. There's a conversation around productivity and all this stuff. I think so, too. And I think people are realizing two things. One, like, oh, wow, we actually could have loosened the reins a little bit on our employees. They actually did still work. My bad. (laughs) Right. But that number two, they're starting to see the after two years, the like disconnect between collaboration. And so I think what's happening is kind of like a a hybrid model is going to start coming Mm -hmm. into play, like a weekly meeting or something like that, just Mm -hmm. to all kind of connect together Mm -hmm. and so that they can still get that synergy together. I prefer working in an office, honestly. I do too. Yeah. Home office. Yeah. Well, that's because at home, even though I have an office, I work at my kitchen table and I yell at my dog and the kids are like writing (laughs) post-it notes to me if they can watch YouTube. And can I have more time on my phone? The dishes need to be done. Right. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to go to the office because this is so much much easier and quieter. And But you know who I work with. So that's actually a big fat question. (laughs) He was on my first podcast here. That's what he said, actually. Yes, yeah. yes. My my broker, Aaron Dutcher. Yeah. He's a Great good guy. guy. Yeah. And Colorful. I, I am. I'm going to publicly tell you I'm going to crash your lunch. <laughs> so as we're... Aaron, beware. Aaron, beware. Here I come. Are you listening? <laughs> he better be listening. <laughs> so is there anything else that you think the audience well, should know? Uh, misconceptions about lending, finance, anything like that? I don't that? know about misconceptions, but planning is so key, mm-hmm. right? Like, especially, you know, I mean, uh, most entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneur business owners, you know, will defer their taxes. They'll, they'll extend until October. But planning is so no. key. <laughs> what? No, I didn't extend oh, you didn't? mine at all. No, no, God, no. Is your nose growing? It is. Kids are bumping the microphone yeah. yet. Uh, you know, so planning, like, great mortgage people under speak CPA. We have to. Yeah. Right. And so an ounce of planning goes a mile. It just does. Because right. So you know what you're ready for. And I don't care if you're buying a house first time. Right. Or your 10th house or a building or your fifth building. Yeah. Right. You, you just announce a plan. I would even argue to say that that goes for all business owners in any sure. space, even like the tenant rep space. I mean, I, I have a really fantastic business owner right now who is a physician (laughs) and kind of has like another business model she wants to work on. And I tried to tell her, you need a business plan. You need, you know, all these things. No, I'll just write a check. I'm rich. Pretty much. And so she found this space in Gilbert that Mm. she wants really bad. And I reached out to the broker and he's like, where's her business plan? (laughs) 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 Personal guarantee and a bunch of money? Right. And he, nope, not right now because things. There ain't nothing. Yeah. Don't it, I sound sophisticated? That was hey, literally no the one, the one lease space that she would fit in, in like the whole town of Gilbert, 
right. The Southeast Valley right now is so hard to find anybody, anything, even a built-to-suit pad or um, even to purchase. Like every day we are getting calls from people that are like, I want to be in the Southeast Valley. Like look through Queen Creek. All that's there is residential properties. Mm -hmm. There's no second generation Mm -hmm. commercial properties at all to to even take over, to buy into. So that starts to push people back into the core, right? Mm -hmm. Tempe. Mesa, mm-hmm. you know, and regen- regentrify, so to speak. Right. Take old ugly, which there's yeah. plenty of in Mesa, right? Right. And figure out how to make it. You know, that's not very nice to call me old and ugly in Mesa. I'm just saying. I, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up in Santa Ana, California. Right. Which the zip codes are 92701 to 92705. Right. I always say Mesa is just like Santa Ana. Yeah. There's 9270 ghetto and 9270 fabulous. Oh my God. It's true. That's true. And that's so interesting you say that because that is what we're seeing in Mesa right now. And it is because Gilbert's full. Yeah. Queen Creek is like under construction. So where's the next logical place? And Gilbert was also very forward looking when Mesa was asleep 20 years ago. Right. Right. So they didn't, they didn't plan and think and invite and do tax incentivized deals like Gilbert did. Right. So there's, you know, you got to make the opportunity. Right. Well, and like, now they are. I feel like Mesa, the mayor who we've invited to be on the show, just saying, has done, <laughs> Casey's listening, has done a really good job the last few years and is really taking advantage of the, what would you call that, the the corridor in East Mesa, the tech corridor, and oh, really yeah. kind of establishing that and putting their stamp Dude, on it. I feel it. like there's like secret government buildings out there. What are all those things? I know, right? They're just yeah. like big shells. of yeah. yeah. And they're all like these sexy, modern... Hmm. What goes on in there? I don't know. Mystery. We should find out. Um, <laughs> should we break in? <laughs> <laughs> Shh, no illegal talk on the podcast. No. Yeah. Never. <laughs> never. But, and then because of that, like just urban sprawl in general, yep. you will now see gentrifying areas of Mesa yep. because you can't get into Gilbert. You can't, like, you can't get into certain areas and there's plenty of space so far. It's yeah. Yeah, it's narrowing. Well, like I, I have a I have a friend, a, a client who's become a friend, um, who um has sells clocks on Amazon. Okay. G- great rocking little business, right? And right. they assemble and all this kind of stuff. You would never know where their their building is in a obscure part of not sexy Mesa. Yeah. And yet, you know, millions of dollars a year selling clocks yeah. on Amazon. Well, I can tell you, I have a client that I've been looking for a warehouse space to lease for them in Mesa. Mm-hmm. And it is almost as impossible as finding office space in Gilbert because of, you know, that type well, of Well, all business. the new flex space that's right along Germain, right, right. on the Chandler-Gilbert border. That's all spoken for. Yep. And if you notice, it's all like Class A with names that you recognize. Yeah. Same thing on the and all the Opportunity Zones out by the airport. Oh, yeah. So for the listeners, Class A, B, and C. Right. Class A is like your brand new sexy. Oh, yeah. Those are nice buildings. That's what you see in like Tempe and Scottsdale. And those really get commercial brokers hearts racing. Class B is like probably it's the next step down. It's like she's, you know, she's pretty from 10 yards. (laughs) Don't talk about my car that way. You're talking about a car, right? (laughs) But that's your class B. And then and then your class C is what yeah. you're traditionally thinking of in like some of your older areas of Phoenix and Mesa and yeah. um seven no ghetto. Lower income and and things like that. But yes. So think class A is Scottsdale. We'll call Gilbert class B. And <laughs> you should see his face. And then we'll call Mesa class C. Oh. 
So just so that you can like picture that frame of reference. And then there was another terminology you used. Now remember, because now I'm laughing. Sorry. Well, but, but what I have seen folks doing, yeah. um, a kind of a, a great uh, three brothers that own, own an engineering business, okay. like, I don't know, five or $7 million, great guys. Mm-hmm. And so they need space. Well, they, but they're scrappy, right? So they've they found- the brothers or they the business? They, the brothers, are scrappy. Okay. So they they bought a trailer on like a two and a half acre parcel that had an outbuilding that would be a nightmare to finance residential. Right. Right. Yeah. Trailer built in seventy two. Right. Um, right. And so they they've re because it's already County Island, mm-hmm. so they can run a business on mm-hmm. there. So you sometimes you have to think outside the box, right. and it was relatively you know less expensive and right. inexpensive. Um, comparatively. So, you know, sometimes you got to think outside the box to find it, depending on what your business is. Right. Well, and that's where, to toot my own horn, that's where a good real estate agent comes Correct. from. That's one of the reasons I'm so busy is because we, the good ones, have the ability to think outside the box and go, okay, I understand what your needs are. But and let's look at it from about? like a different perspective. And so we're still addressing what you need, yep. but within your parameters financially or whatever. And then likewise, a great mortgage broker kind of does the same thing. Like, I know you came to me for this, but let's think about these options or, you know, what we can do. And understanding all your programs and all your products mm-hmm. is really the the benefit to that. So to start wrapping this up, Wrap it up, how can people get a hold of you for and what needs? Residential, commercial, like all the things? Yes, all mm-hmm. the things. Mm-hmm. So 480-400-LOAN is our office line. That's 480-400-LOAN. 480-400-5626. We need a jingle. I'm just Ken saying. Starks, <laughs> There's my radio voice. So uh, that's our office line. It's taxable. It's callable, right? Our team will answer. Um, the StarksTeam.com. You can just hit the little, what it, you know, the little scenario button. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, tell us what you want to do. And so that's how you reach us um, or uh, new loans at the StarksTeam.com. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm sorry, you said that. You said something else too. Oh, I just wanted to hear like how people can get a hold of you. That's and, how you get a hold of us. Yeah. Yep. Do you have an Instagram? You know, I'm bad about Instagram. I do. Right. I do have an Instagram, but right. it's, I'm just at Ken Starks. It's kind of, you know, you're going to see my kids, my dog, my house. Mm-hmm. My You might see my 66 Lincoln and you'll learn mortgage stuff too. Right. It's yeah. not like my Instagram investment real estate AZ, which is super professional. <laughs> And I work very hard. Are you saying on I it. need to up my, my uh, you insta do game? Need, uh, need to up your insta game. Wow, I think I'm offended. <laughs> I like yours because I can see you. There's things yeah. I obviously didn't know based on our earlier conversation. Surprise. But yes, I'm single. Oh my god, yes, ladies, he's not taken. <laughs> Top one percent mortgage broker oh, and single. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Please be. Morbid. Oh my god, the please, phone is ringing off the hook. Be, oh my Please be LDS and have something of your life, like a career. Like have something to provide. So no trophy wives? Um, trophies and eye of the beholder. <laughs> or the, the eye of well, the trophy. might be trophy. Yeah, yeah. Eye of the trophy to me. The trophy might be different for me than it might be for somebody else. Right. So ladies, Ken says his requirements are LDS and that you have something to bring to the table, right? That sounds really it, bad. Well, no, in terms of like, okay, we're going off the rails here. But in yeah. terms of like brains, business acumen, Correct. like, right? Like we're at a point in our lives where right. we're not dating each other because our butts are cute anymore, okay? <laughs> like, the way like there has to be some substance here. Otherwise... <laughs> I'm going to call HR on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I work for myself. Oh, great. She answered. She doesn't care. <laughs> 
So that's how you get a hold of Ken at yep. the Starks team. The Starks team. Com. 480 loan. Well, that's thank it. you so much for coming, Ken. It's Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Yes. We really should do this more often. We should. Do you come here often? I do come here often. The first and third Friday of every month. Don't tell Richard. <laughs> You've been listening to Smashing Through Walls, a place for robust conversations about the building and blocks of Arizona commercial and real estate investments. Host Carla McGee is a commercial real estate broker with MHG Commercial, powered by My Home Group. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of My Home Group and do not constitute any offer or advertisement of business or services. The real estate market is cyclical and listeners assume all responsibility should any return on investment, tax consequences, credit effects, or financing terms not meet their expectations. Guests may not be qualified to provide financial, legal, or tax advice regarding a real estate transaction. Listeners are advised to obtain professional tax and legal advice and counsel. 